Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good morning to you. New York Vinny here with you on Drive Time Radio. Right here on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. Sorry about that. I just wound up... uh, Making a move here. I, I want to go left. I should have gone right, and that's not good. But I think I'm fully recovered. <laughs> Sometimes when you're in the garden studio, things like that happen to you. You go left when you think you were going right. Anyway, I hope you're having a good chilly Saturday morning here, but uh, a, uh, a not beautiful couple of days. I mean, I know it rained last night, but, man, what a, what a beautiful couple of days to be out and about and uh, take care of business, and we are going to do that this morning. Uh, we will have some uh, a couple of interesting uh, things for you. We'll have a whole bunch of interesting things. Why should I say a couple when we'll have several interesting things for you, uh, starting off with uh, the top five this morning, which we'll get to right now. Time now for this week's top five. The five things you need to know about cars and car culture this week. And the top five, we started off this morning uh, with uh, a sad story, I think, one that we knew was coming, but a very sad story. The Chevrolet Impala is no more. Bright new beginning to a beautiful 1968. Chevrolet's Impala Sport Coupe. Dramatically new. Distinctively styled. What strikes you first is the beautiful harmony of line. Every curve, every sweep is clean and compatible. Modern, fresh design. And inside, Chevrolet remembers your comfort with new colors, new fabrics, new instrument panel. Security, too, with the proved GM energy-absorbing steering column, new side marker lights. Impala 68, unforgettably beautiful. Right back to its new recessed taillights. Impala, America's favorite car, is at your Chevrolet dealers. Who reminds you, be smart, be sure, buy Chevrolet. Ah, uh, back when Chevrolet and America and General Motors were on top of the world. The last Chevrolet Impala rolled off the assembly line uh, this week in Hammertrack, Michigan. They're going to clean that plant out and they're going to use it for building electric Hummers. General Motors, is, uh, as you know, is uh, really on this kick of getting rid of cars and going electric. And uh, so that is what we'll see in the future. But, boy, what a past uh, the Chevrolet Impala has had. I mean, if you are a certain age, uh, like I am, um, the Chevrolet Impala was really the middle-class car to attain to. Yeah, there were the Caddies and the Oldsmobiles and the Pontiacs. Uh, Caddy, of course, the luxury cars. And when Dad got a promotion, um, you know, you, maybe you moved into a Pontiac or an Oldsmobile. Uh, but certainly the Chevrolet Impala was the everyman's car. There was a little something there. And, yes, I did say everyman's because back then that's who they advertised it to, everyman. You hardly saw any kind of advertising that was uh, aimed toward women in those days. But it was uh, America's car, much as we talk about the Toyota Camry 
as uh, the, the standard today for a family car back in 1968. Matter of fact, from 1958 until uh, just this last year with a, a gap here and there in between, uh, the Impala was America's family car back in 1968, probably the heyday, the 65, 66, 67, and 68 Impalas. Um, maybe, and maybe you throw the 69 as good as it got, but this car set America more than any other car out there. This car said, uh, this is what we're all about. You could fit your family in there, or you could order it up with a... Uh, uh, a 396 with an automatic or four-speed with a 396 and make a racing machine out of it. It was a little bit of everything to everybody. A big car, comfortable. You could take it on a road trip and uh, get in that car and drive coast to coast in that car. See, that was the thing with the Chevy Impala over uh, over the rivals. And, you know, Ford put out a good car, the uh, Galaxy 500 and uh, the Fairlane on those cars, and Dodge had decent cars in the Plymouth Fury and so on and so forth. Nothing was quite as cool, quite as big as the Chevy Impala. And uh, it really was a car that you could get into and feel that when you got behind that wheel from the time they put it out in 1958 to the time that they just shut it down right now, you could get behind that wheel and feel as an American, nothing was impossible, that you could drive from coast to coast, that your team could win the pennant, that all the good things about America that we all thought about were all embodied in that car because it could take you anywhere you wanted to go comfortably. You didn't have to sacrifice anything, anything to um, drive around in a Chevrolet Impala. And uh, we, we mourn the loss, although, uh, again, times change, things change, and something tells me that the Impala will not be totally lost somewhere, somehow. But if you could kill the Beetle, you could kill the Chevrolet Impala. We will talk more about that car a little later in the show as we will pay tribute to it musically on the cartoon of the day. And uh, for our drive time road test today, we will go back to 1959 and uh, review and talk about a review that was done by the late, great Tom McCahill. Uh, for those of you who uh, watched, uh, read uh, books like uh, Mechanics Illustrated and so on and so forth when you were a kid, uh, Tom McCahill was a guy who had the job I had. I actually got Tom McCahill's job. I got to drive a new car every week and test them out for the past, I don't know, 30 years. So it was... Uh, a very cool thing. He was one of my idols growing up. I remember there were two things that I grabbed Mechanics Illustrated for when I was growing up. One of them was Tom McHale, and the other one was Mimi. And we'll leave it there. Uh, also on our top five this week, the Geneva Auto Show has been canceled. The coronavirus uh, it, and fears of it spreading is canceling a lot of events in Europe and around the world. Um, we are now looking at the Geneva Auto Show uh, being canceled is probably bodes badly for Fisker, which was going to preview one of their cars there. Uh, but better to be safe than sorry. I have been looking around to see what other plans and so on and so forth automakers are putting into effect to try to um, 
you know, deal with this uh, epidemic that's going around the globe. And so far, I haven't seen much out of the auto industry, but I suspect that uh, coming up here, when you see the preparations that are going on uh, around the world uh, for the coronavirus, I suspect that the auto industry is going to be affected as well. We're looking for $20,000 cars. Forget it. You can't find them. Where have all the $20,000 cars gone? It seems that that nobody is making a car under $20,000 anymore. And it's, um, I mean, that's kind of troubling, I think, for many people. Um, It seems that, let's see, Ford Fiat Chrysler no longer sell a vehicle for under $20,000. Uh, Chevy has two vehicles priced under 20000 The Sonic and the Spark, probably both of them going to be gone. And with small sedan sales accounting for only 4% of the market, it looks like um, it's going to be really tough for you to buy, uh, you know, that first car or that cheap second car or that car uh, that you want to send your kids off to college and you want to buy them a new car because it doesn't, you know, it gets your uh, your mind off of things. Now, there is an increase in sales in certified used cars. That seems to be where people are going. But with these loan notes now going to 96 months, it's getting kind of crazy. The average transaction of a new passenger vehicle has climbed to just under $40,000. Think about that. Just under $40,000, man. Generation Z is going to be upset. They can't buy a house. They can't buy a new car. It's not getting pretty uh, for Generation Z right now, I'll tell you that. And that's uh, not happy for them. Although, Citron, the French automaker that's now part of FCA, has introduced a car that would go for, it looks like, the equivalent of about um, $6,600. Don't know if it's going to come to the U.S. yet, but it's already been dubbed the washing machine. Uh, They are calling it the Amy, or the Ami, I guess, in French. It's the Ami. It's a tiny electric car. It's pretty much a golf cart uh, with a a covering on it, but maybe that'll be the one that brings it back. Well, I don't know if I'd want to drive one of these things on the highway, but it's, um, it's it's a little car, and people are excited about anything. That's uh, cheap. And finally, more pedestrians are uh, dying, in, especially in the state of Washington. We're one of the leaders in pedestri- increases in pedestrian deaths. We are, uh, we are moving upwards quickly. Distracted driving, bigger vehicles, and um, are the two... Big causes in January to June 2019, there have been 47 uh, pedestrian fatalities. In 2018, there were 42. They're up 11% from year to year. And in the first um, six months of 2019, uh, more people were, uh, we were in the top 10 in states where people were dying. I don't know how you fix this. I know that the Washington State Legislature is looking at it to try to do things. The highest pedestrian fatality state is New Mexico. Top five are Hawaii, Florida, South Carolina, 
and Arizona. But Washington, not that far behind. And again, many people think it is the um, not only the increased use of cell phones by drivers, but increased use of cell phones by pedestrians. All right, that's our top five for the morning. When we come back, Jeff Jersmead joins us. He is on the Alcan 5000, uh, the rally that's going on right now where people are going up to Canada and Alaska and places north you never thought of. We'll be right back. Menashe Jewelers. My good friends at Menashe Jewelers over in West Seattle. Let me tell you about my friends over there. They are, when it comes to jewelry, they know what they're doing. They are the type of people that when you walk in this store, you know from the first second you walk in there at that store on California Avenue, West Seattle, that you are going to be treated right. You get a hello, not huh, can I help, you know. You get the people that smile at you, people that listen to you and try to make your idea of what you want, your wish, which is a lot of what jewelry is, come true. Perfect ring, necklace, ID bracelet, they try to make that and do make that a reality. Maybe they got it sitting right there. Maybe their team of experts has to uh, make it and design it, and they will sit with you and they will help you. Jack and Josh and his staff, they've been around for years, over 40 years as a matter of fact, and they know what they're doing when it comes to jewelry. The pieces for me, I can tell you from firsthand experience, that their stuff is top quality, it's fairly priced, and they are great people to deal with. And that's the most important thing, right, is to, is to trust, is to know that you are getting value for your money and what you want. If you can get trust and value and your, and your design and what you want to wear, listen to, what more do you need a jeweler? This is not one of those places where they're working on commissions or anything like that. They're in there, and they're there to help you. They have estate jewelry. They have all different types of jewelry from Art Nouveau to Edwardian, Art Deco. Uh, it's the biggest selection in the Northwest. Please go in and see my friends at Menashe Jewelers, 4532 California Southwest, near the junction. You can find them online at menashejewelers.com. And on Instagram, look at some of their work at Menashe Jewelers. The experience is worth the trip to West Seattle. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly... It's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed, could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Back here with you on Drive Time Radio, New York. Vinny hanging out with you. Don't forget you get us on the internet at um, 
1150kknw.com. Find us there. Listen worldwide, as I know many of you are this morning. We thank you for that. My good friend Jeff Zershmead is um, he's an all-around guy. When you go on Amazon and you, you search him and you see the books he's written, he's written about everything in the world uh, that has to do with cars and even with uh, walking uh, the religious trails in Europe. And he is this morning... Uh, participating in the Alcan 5,000-mile rally uh, up to the Arctic Circle, and he has a couple of minutes to join us this morning. Jeff, how are you? We're doing great. It's uh, 13 below here in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory, and uh, we're going to do – we're just uh, in a few minutes going to head out and do one of the competitive portions of the rally. Uh, Currently, we're sitting uh, 12th overall out of uh, 38 cars and fifth in our class of, uh, of cars. And uh, we are, after this, we head up to Dawson City tonight. And then, uh, then tomorrow is our big day. That's when we cross the Arctic Circle. And we go on up to Inuvik, uh, Northwest Territories, the uh, biggest city north of the Arctic Circle. And then after that, we go up to this little tiny place called Tuktoyaktuk, which is on the shore of the Arctic Ocean. So we're going to actually... Uh, hopefully drive our uh, our GMC Sierra truck that we're running in uh, out onto the Arctic Ocean. Why, Jeff? Why do you do this? What what makes you want to get up? <laughs> I, if I got to go up I-5 to Everett, I get a little nervous. Why do you go all the way up I-5 <laughs> to the Arctic Circle? Um, you know, once, uh, once you've been up here, uh, I wouldn't have to explain it to you because uh, – it is so incredibly beautiful up here. It is uh, it is sort of the last undiscovered country. Um, you know, you drive along when when we're headed up to the Arctic Circle, we're going to go 250 miles up this you know gravel and snow highway, and there's nothing there. There's no towns. There's no nothing. You crest a ridge, you can see for 50 miles in every direction, and uh, it it's just so spectacular up here. Plus pretty good bragging rights yeah i i would suspect that if you're hanging out at a party somewhere and you tell somebody you've done this that people start to gather around and want to hear it just like uh like our listeners do jeff jershmeet is with us uh he is uh, running the alcan uh 5000 rally uh this morning and uh, the, the long drive up to the arctic circle now in regular racing we always think of competition people really like you know looking out the window and you know the cigar sticking out and everything is racing a distance like this and and rallying with people at distance like this kind of a different animal between the drivers um yeah yeah we uh we definitely because the the competition is not to get there first uh we have these uh these things that like the one i'm about to do um and uh and it's the they give you an average speed to run up a road and you have to run at that average speed and they score you based on whether you're early or late um you want to be on zero and so it's like golf a low score is better and and uh so Essentially, we all help each other get to the rally, and then we see uh, who can drive the most accurately. And, uh, and you know, right now we're doing okay on that, but uh, there's great camaraderie, you know. And, and in the evening, we're all in the bar together just having a great old time. How do you, and let me know if you got to go, because I know you're up against the, uh, uh, the event that's, that's going to go on. How are the accommodations? Are you sleeping in the car, or what's happening? 
<laughs> no, no, no. You, yeah, sleeping in the car would actually be pretty dangerous because it's, like I said, minus 13 here. Um, no, we stay in a hotel every night. Uh, that, we just we go good. from town to town, and they put the towns about 200, 300 miles apart up here. And uh, so it works pretty well. What's the most dangerous thing? You, what's the most dangerous thing that you run into along this route? Caribou uh, and moose. Uh, we had uh, we had caribou blocking the highway yesterday on the way uh, on the way up here to Whitehorse, and we also saw bighorn sheep uh, along the side of the road and uh, buffalo or bison. Lots of bison. Wow! So this is like a whole nature drive. When do you think you'll get to the Arctic Circle? We'll probably get to the Arctic Circle about the middle of the afternoon tomorrow. And because uh, we're over 60 degrees north now. Um, right. So we'll get there. Uh, we'll get there middle of the afternoon tomorrow. And uh, we'll be on the Arctic Ocean uh, sort of mid-morning the next day. Now, do you bring somebody with you to drive back once you finish this? Or it's, it's, it's 2,000-something it miles to get up there. Isn't it 2,000 to come back also? It is every single mile, yeah. And there's three of us actually in the truck. My good friend Mark Scholes is uh, with us. He's going to be driving this morning. And, uh, and Paul Duchesne, who you know as another automotive journalist. We're all three here. So that's, so that's got to be a lot of fun, three guys in a car um, heading up. What do you, uh, what do, you do for uh, – I mean, you, you can't stop and get snacks. Along the way, what are you, what are you eating? What's, what's like a, uh, something oh, to sustain got, we you? Got, we're, we're well provisioned. We, we actually have the ability to make – to make espresso here in the truck, I got one of really? those AeroPress things and and a and a you know cigarette lighter, water heater, uh, carafe, and uh, we've been making coffee along the way. And uh, like I said, you know every every hundred miles or so down south and a little bit less, we got towns, so things are pretty easy. Hey, listen, we got to run. Uh, it's almost our time to take off, so uh, we will talk to you maybe next Saturday, Vinny, because I'll be in Anchorage at that time. All right, good luck and Godspeed to you guys, man. Have fun. We are having a That's ball. Jeff thanks, Vinny. Thanks, All right, thanks, Jeff. That's my good friend Jeff Zershmeet, who is um, an automotive journalist down in Portland and, and part of the association I belong to, and he is uh, on this uh, trip 5,000 miles to the Arctic Circle. It's, uh, you know, the Alcan 5,000 winter rally. It's been going on for years. It's kind of the cold weather version of the Mexican Baja that goes on uh, down in um, uh, in Baja, Mexico. And I think it's, uh, to see, to me, doing something like this, if I could put a good team together, and you got to think about that, 5,000 miles in a car with two other people, you know, you got to be, you, you, there's a certain kind of camaraderie that has to go on, but I think it's, it, it would be awesome uh, and a great way to see. I mean, I'm sure it probably gets. Well, see, I don't know if it ever gets boring. If you're going someplace you've never seen before, it it might not get boring. You know, if you're going the same way that you've been a, a million times before. But boy, that sounds like a, a lot of. Would you do that? Would you um? Would you jump on the uh, on on uh, the the, the uh, uh, Alaska Canadian Highway, the Alcan, and Drive it. I think it's one of the things uh, that I want to do at some point. 
in, in life. I mean, I don't know how much longer I'm going to last, but to be honest with you, I could see me, uh, you know, next year or the year after putting a car together and putting a couple of people together and doing a trip like this. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, um, it, it, it just looks like a lot of fun uh, and a lot of camaraderie and, uh, and again, gives you great bragging rights at the um, at the, the parties you'll be at. Hey, I, I drove past the uh, the Arctic Circle. Ah, oh, dang! I forgot. I wanted him to get me some postcards. All right, I'll have to uh, <laughs> I'll have to talk to him about that. All right, listen. We'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. We got our cartoon of the week for you. We got our drive time road test coming up. Uh, we are live and in living color. It's a Saturday morning. We are talking about uh, the Chevy Impala and the passing of that fine automobile and um, and, and what it meant to America, uh, what it meant to, uh, to the automotive industry, and what it meant really to this country when you think about it. When that car, times were so different when, that, when the Impala... And I'm talking about now the uh, the quintessential version of the Impala, the 65, you know, maybe even 64, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, the 60s in ver- uh, uh, version of the Impala. You know, after that in the 70s, people started to think of them as taxi cabs more than anything else. And then they came out in 68, I believe it was. Maybe it was 67, now i got to remember, uh, with the Caprice, which was a step above the Impala. They wanted to keep I guess, Chevy people and Chevys a little bit longer with that formal roof and so on and so forth. But, uh, but the Impala was the, uh, the Impala was the car that people were looking at when they walked into the showrooms in September when they took the paper off of the um, off of the windows in the showroom, the Impala was the car that people were going in there and they were looking at first. Then maybe if there was something they didn't like about the Impala, they'd go shop a Ford, uh, a Galaxy, or uh, you know a, uh, a Dodge Monaco or a Plymouth Fury or something like that. But in those years and at those times, in those days, that was the car that they shopped. All right, quick break here. We'll come back with our cartoon of the week. It is Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny right here on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. If you're searching for that perfect gift for the college-bound kid in your life, the Car Care Council suggests putting together a roadside emergency kit. An inexpensive roadside kit is easy to assemble and could be extremely useful, maybe even a lifesaver in the event of an emergency. Of course, it's always a good idea to be prepared for the unexpected while on the road, but the best option is to avoid breakdowns and car trouble wherever possible. Performing basic maintenance and observing a regular service schedule can help avoid unforeseen road emergencies. Roadside emergency items can fit into a small duffel bag or rubber storage tote and include the following. Jumper cables, emergency flares, flashlight and batteries, blankets and extra clothes, non-perishable snacks and bottled water, first aid kit including essential medications, portable USB charger to keep the cell phone running even if the car isn't, ice scraper, snow brush and small shovel for winter driving, and finally, 
Keep a copy of the Car Care Guide available free of charge at carcare.org. Visit the Car Care Council's website to access a number of tips and resources for vehicle maintenance, including a free custom service schedule. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Back with you here on Drive Time Radio, New York, Vinny. A Saturday morning, it's uh, quickly becoming a tradition uh, that we all get together from 8 to 9 right here on KKNW. And um, by the way, a couple of things that I wanted to let you know about, a couple of pieces of, of, I don't know if you want to call it business or not, but uh, a couple of things that I think you should know about. Uh, the um, swap meet, which is always one of my favorite things to do, automotive things to do, the almost spring swap meet and car show, which uh, goes on in uh, Puyallup at the Washington State Fairs uh, Fair Events Center, uh, March 16th and 17th. Mark your calendars for that. March 16th and 17th. I love this event. I mean, you got a car show, you got a swap meet, and I love going to car swap meets. You find some of the most insane stuff there. I almost bought a car there a couple of years, well, now it would be more than a couple of years ago, probably about 10, 12 years ago. There was this, it's the, it's the car that keeps biting me. There was this guy that had this beautiful Ford Falcon Futura convertible, 65, I think it was, in the parking lot. And I went down there, and I forget what I was driving. I was driving one of the one of the road test cars, and I went down there, and I parked next to this thing, and he had the for sale sign. And I forget, I maybe he wanted like three thousand dollars for it or something like that. And I kept looking at this car, and kept looking at this car, and thinking to myself, man, you just ought to buy it. You know, you got the money to do it. You ought to just buy this car, keep it for a while. And then, you know, and I was like, no, 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 I want a project car right now. And I was like, you know, on the fence. I was looking for my Corvette at the time that I had. Um, And anyway, um, I wound up not buying the car. And I'll tell you the interesting thing about it. This was, you know, my, I I don't know if I even had a, well, I I know I had a smartphone, but I didn't. I wasn't hip to the thing that you could just put the number in the phone. So I wrote the number down on a piece of paper. And halfway home to Seattle from Puyallup, I'm driving on 167. I think I'm about by uh, Emerald Downs. And I'm like going, oh, man, I got to call this guy because I, I can't let this call go. And I wrote the number down wrong. The idiot that I am. I wrote the number down wrong. So this car... So maybe that was God telling me that it wasn't meant for me to have this car or whatever because it was uh, it was a really cool you know it needed some work but it was in really it was in decent condition and you know kind of the kicker of the whole thing is my sister really loves Ford Falcons she's she has always had a love for Ford Falcons so I'm sure that if I'd have fixed it up I could have sold it to her at the very least but there you go you know I just let the car go, and, and you see, sometimes you got to jump on the opportunities. But that almost spring swap meet is, um, even if you just walk around and just look at the stuff uh, that they have, there's five bucks on Saturday, they go from eight to five, three dollars on Sunday, they go from nine to five, no pets, no firearms. 
you're going to Puyallup, you got to no no pit bulls, no firearms at this thing. Kids under the age of 12 are free when they're accompanied by an adult. And I believe they still have vendor reservations available. If you have a bunch of stuff in the garage you're thinking of getting rid of, this might be the place to call and get get yourself a, a spot there and meet a lot of car people and sell your stuff and... Who knows? Maybe you'll find something that you like. So once again, it's the 39th annual Almost Spring Swap Meet and Car Show. Uh, vintage cars and parts, vintage motorcycles and parts, and antiques and collectibles. Uh, that is uh, going on today. Uh, no, excuse me, not today. Sorry. No, no, no. March 16th and 17th. Um, a little after the next break, I'll tell you a little bit about an event that is going on today. It's a leap year day, and it's a good day to get out and um, go to the track. And I'll tell you a little bit about that uh, when we come back. But as we continue our show today, we pay musical tribute to the Chevrolet Impala. There's been a lot of, um, you know, the Impala, uh, besides being a great American family car, has also found itself as a very popular car among uh, the custom car people especially uh, lowriders in uh, East L.A. and well, anywhere there's lowriders. Love this big car that, that, that just is a visual beauty as it goes up and down. Uh, people that, uh, write that, that, that buy these cars now turn them into $100,000 machines with hydraulics and mechanics. And there, there's something to behold. Um, we have a, a woman, and I don't know why she thought this would be a great song to do, but uh, Snoop Dogg put out a song, Chevrolet Impala, a few years ago. Lola Zouai is, is a French singer, and she has covered that, and I thought we'd play that for you this morning on our cartoon segment on Drive Time Radio. Zouai, and uh, she is on Instagram if you want to know more about her, and Chevy Impala's we pay tribute. Uh, talk a bit about the uh, iconic American car, which rolled off the Chevy assembly line for the past uh, f- this past week for the last time, and um, really uh, the end of an era for uh, America. And of course, the later Impala, um, not as iconic an American car as uh, I said, it's been overtaken by the Camry and you know uh, some of the Fords that were out there. But a friend of mine, George, owned owned one. And um, and I've driven them a number of times, and I loved them. I thought it was a great car, man. It was, uh, you know, it was smaller, and maybe that's a little bit what it suffered from, is it was smaller of what the perception of you thought an Impala was when I was growing up. So if you were in my age group, it was a, a different car, but yet it was still a standard bearer. It was still America's car. It still had the, uh, the taillight treatment. Uh, the Impalas have had since 1958, and it was um, it, it was a way for you to drive a, a, a good, solid, decent car uh, for not a lot of money that uh, you could put the family in, and that was the original objective of the Impala. They had that, uh, you know, they would come out with Impala SSs, and they had them uh, for use by police departments, uh, but police departments mostly got the Caprice which was the uh, V8 Holden, which really turned into uh, the SS, if you remember that. Uh, anyway, that is uh, that is a tribute, a musical tribute to 
the use of the Chevy Impala as uh, an icon in uh, the lowrider community. Um, before we hit the break, I just wanted to mention that the Evergreen Speedway, our friends out at Evergreen Speedway, uh, are having a, um, a leap year day uh, Auto X event today. So you can go out there and test your car driving skills on the tracks. It's uh, open to um, all makes and models of cars. They have it for all driver skill levels. But if you ever want to take your car out on a track, uh, looks like it's going to be a nice day for it so far. I'm up uh, north of the city where our studios are. Uh, but you got to be 16 years old. You're allowed a passenger. You have to bring a DOT-approved helmet. You have three classes, all-wheel, front-wheel, and rear-wheel drive. It's a $65 entry fee with a transponder. The grandstands are free. And it's a way if you want to go up, then you have to meet certain basic safety requirements. They're going to check your car out. But I love it. It's a way for you to take your car up to the track and see what it'll do uh, in a safe and controlled environment where if you get into trouble, uh, there's going to be people that will help you out. Or if you're not sure about something, uh, maybe you can pick up a lesson here or there instead of, you know, trying it on some back road or something where you hit a curb and you go flying and you get in trouble. This is, um, I think, a lot easier uh, a lot nicer thing to do. You meet other car owners. You get to hang out. So, again, if you got nothing to do today, it's it's fun to even watch. I think the different cars go up against each other out at the Evergreen Speedway. It uh, runs today. I think it's actually going right now. They're probably doing qualifying uh, this morning and inspections and so on and so forth. So, get your helmet. Yes, you must bring a helmet, and a passenger must have a helmet. As well, get your helmet, throw it in the car, and head on up to Evergreen Speedway for a little bit of uh, fun leap year day action. And to all of you who are born today, <laughs> happy birthday, man. It's uh, every four years. Wow. We're talking about getting cheated in life sometimes. But you make the most of it, don't you? All right. It is uh, coming up here on... 8.45, we'll take a quick break, come back, and we will have our drive time road test of the week. Stick around, there's a lot more show to come. Now, my good friend at Menashe Jeweler, Josh, is a great guy. If you go in and you meet Josh, you're going to want to put your arm around him, and you're going to want to, and, and you're going to want to, like, be his friend for life. You're going to want to take him out to dinner. He's that kind of guy. Now, I didn't meet Josh in a, uh, a bar somewhere or something like that. I met Josh and made him my friend, as I did my friend Jack Menashe, because they're good people. I went into Menashe Jewelers um, looking for uh, a ring, and by the time I walked out, I had a couple of new friends, three or four or five new friends. That's the kind of place they are. Menashe Jewelers, if it's that time of year where you're looking for uh, a wedding ring, um, uh, a, a pendant, a birthday present, graduation present, whatever it is. If it's in jewelry, do me a favor. Head over to Menashe Jewelers in West Seattle on California Southwest. Uh, 
right there by the junction. Go see them. Go tell them I sent you. Go in and say, guys, this is what I have in my head. This is what I'm thinking about for a ring. This is what I'm thinking about for a pendant. This is what I'm thinking about for a piece of jewelry. Write it down on a piece of paper. Draw it for them. And they'll look at it, and they'll tell you what it would what be to make that. Or they might have something right there in the store that you love, you fall in love with, and you don't even have to make it. You get a better price on it, maybe even. What I'm trying to say here about Menashee Jewelers is that they're A, good people. B, they're honest people. You know you're getting what you pay for and then some. C, they're good people to work with. They listen to you. They ask you what you want, and they try as best they can to provide that for you because that's how they stay in business for over 40 years. That's why they're there. That's why uh, Jack and his family and his father have all put this business together to serve people and to help them out when they need something as intimate as jewelry. You know, it's a very personal thing. I don't know how anybody just goes to a, uh, you know, a, a mall store or something like that and just buys jewelry. When you have Menashe, a place like that that you can go to and they can take care of you in, um, in, in, a, in style, in comfort, very nice store, padded seats to sit down and benches, a nice couch. Get Jack to, to have you sit on the couch and talk to you about jewelry. It's an experience. And uh, the good people that they have there. So it's Menashe Jewelers. They're online at MenasheJewelers.com. You can catch them on Instagram at Menashe Jewelers. Go on in on California in West Seattle. Tell them I sent you. You will be calling me up telling me how glad you are that I did. No matter how you say it, Cruce con la verde, en el medio pierde. It always means the same thing. Atravesate soltanto al señale verde, ma en el mezzo de la strada. Cross at the green, not in between. Geht arriba de gas, no den vences green, nit erges zwischen in mitten vom block. It means cross at the corner, never in the middle of the block. Don't walk until the light turns green. Always cross at corners where motorists expect you and where you can see them. Cross at the green, not in between. In any language, it's a way of life. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Use your eyes to look up. Use your ears to hear. Walk up to the corner when the coast is clear. And wait, and wait, until you see the light turn green. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Drive Time Radio. My name is New York Vinny, in case we haven't met yet. If you just spin in the dial and have come upon us, we do this automotive thing every Saturday morning, 8 to 9. You can also get us on podcast. And what we're doing with the podcast 
is we are um, adding something new to the podcast, what I like to call bonus time. So if you go to the podcast on Anchor, this is only on Anchor FM, if you go to the podcast on Anchor, uh, there's actually an extra segment on the podcast that we will be putting on there starting this week. So um, if you get a chance, uh, you want to listen to the podcast and to the extra segment, uh, go to Anchor, and then we'll uh, and we're actually going to get that figured out for all the podcasts. But we're starting it there to see how it uh, how it works. Also, if you get a chance and you're not doing much of anything, then you should be doing something like listening to more podcasts. My friend Steve Heitner, uh, you might remember him from Seinfeld. Uh, he played that uh, Banya, that comedian that. Um, Jerry didn't like, has a podcast that I appear frequently on. It's called That's Gold, and you can get it at Apple Podcasts, and he's a funny guy, and we had a we had a really funny podcast that we did together uh, this last week. So if you get a chance, you want to head over to uh, Apple and pick up That's Gold with Steve Heitner. My friend Rich Johnson also is in on that one as well. That's a fine, um, fun way to spend a little time uh, with uh, some people who like to talk about Vegas and the old days and cars and whatever else is out there, movies and gambling and everything. It's uh, it's kind of a guy-oriented thing, but uh, I actually was listening to it with a friend of mine who happens to be a woman, uh, and uh, she enjoyed it too. So uh, there's a little tip for you uh, for my friend's podcast. All right, time now for... The Drive Time Road Test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, well, we're going to do something a little different this week in tribute to the um, tribute to the Impala going away. I thought I would look back in the annals in the history of time and go back to a guy who was a hero of mine when I was a kid. Tom McCahill is his name. And Tom was an auto critic for Mechanics Illustrated. So his job was to drive all groovy cars of the day and write about them in Mechanics Illustrated. And I used to think, how cool would it be to have a job where they would bring you a car every week or you would go pick up a car every week, a brand new car from whatever manufacturer, and you would drive it around and then you would write about it or talk about it. Well, guess what? I got lucky in life because my Tom McHale dream came true and I get to do that now as part of what I do. So I thought I would go back and take his review for the 1959 Chevy Impala. And, some of, and what I liked about Cahill's writing is in those days, you know, you had certain metrics that you uh, talked about, performance, uh, 0 to 20, uh, 0 to 60, so on and so forth. But what you really, um, what it was is he wrote in a style uh, that I think, like to think I write in, and that was, um, uh, you know, like, like person to person. So he opens up his review by saying, you don't need a Gallup poll or a complete report from the Electoral College to know that Chevrolet must be considered 
the American buyer's number one choice. No other manufacturer has, um, in the world, for that matter, has pumped out as many cars as the past 20 years as the General Motors division. Now, they dropped the spot, the top spot, 21 years, but came back in 59 with this incredibly new style, space-age-looking Impala. He drove the 348-cubic-inch V8 and air suspension, which he called the queen mother of the camp, and a wild departure from earlier models as Santa Claus without a beard. The rear deck treatment is pure Louis Armstrong. Gone, man, gone. Instead of last year's neatly sculptured, uh, somehow foreign-looking backside, he says you can land a Piper Cub on this one. It's crazy, but it's craziness in good taste. Up front, the treatment is a little bit more conservative. They put a four-eyed look on this car, but they push the lights out to the end of the grill. That gives it um, uh, a, sort of a thinner look than it is. They have the chrome fish scaler on the front fenders and pointed out that they were so sharp they could nick the casual do-it-yourselfer um, body polisher right across the wrists, and it looks like that may have happened to him. The 59 Impala is enormous with glass, front and rear windshield curves like a fishbowl, the rear window slightly smaller than the big ones at Macy's 34th Street. Uh, as far as being big, it's bigger than the Cadillac of 10 years ago, this Impala, equipped with air suspension, a system which he liked a lot. He says he's lavishly devoted to this system. It did not take, it took the jolts out of the roughest test roads, um, but the 58 Impala with airbags is not by a long shot the best handling he thought that the uh, 59 was better handling. In performance, the 1959 Impala doesn't come up to last year's car, probably because they added 200 pounds of weight to it. So 10.4 seconds is what it'll do, 0 to 60 in. That's what the 348-inch three-carburetor hookup with the turbo glide will push it to. Um, he said it took him... 13 seconds to get uh, there and the high speed track was not available that day. So he can't report what the 59 Impala will do flat out. But um, with the increased weight he said that the brakes on the Impala were excellent. A direct adaptation of the competition Corvette brakes. A quarter of an inch wider and uh, a success <laughs> I like this line as sure of success as a loaded bank account inside the car whose overall height is 56 inches the front seats have been lowered to give you a sharper rake when you're driving a car. Summing it up the 59 Chevy Impala has the most radical styling of the new model year and this they tell me sells automobiles if I have any knowledge of public reaction this styling with this touches of everything from Ave Maria to Basin Street will be the talk of the automotive year. And if I am any kind of profit at all, when the sales box score for the 59 models has been totaled up, it's a sure bet that Chevrolet will still be America's number one choice. And that's Tom McCahill uh, talking about that. All right. 
That is the Drive Time Road Test, a tribute to Tom McCahill. By the way, we want to thank Blaze La Rotunda, my good friend who retired after a number of years on the bench. He was a great judge and a good person and uh, uh, very happy that he's going to go into retirement, uh, spent 25 years as a cop, then became a judge. That'll do it for our show. We'll catch you on the Internet if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. This is Drive Time Radio on 1150 KKNW.